Yeah, we really love Palo. We didn't do it our first two cruises back in 2009, 2011. I think it was only like a $5 upcharge back then. And we were still like, why why would we pay $5 when we have like (laughs) such nice, wonderful food in the main dining room? Yeah, Um, little did you know, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of the DCL Duo podcast. And tonight we have with us Christina from Boston to talk with us about adults only cruising. So welcome, Christina. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. No, no, it's great. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's great to have you on. Yeah, so tonight's topic, we're going to talk about adults only cruising, the unicorn of cruising for parents out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or the unicorn of cruising for non-parents out there. (laughs) Yeah, Sam and I have had the chance to do several adults only cruises. Don't worry, our six-year-old son still gets plenty of time with Mickey, but uh, (laughs) we occasionally have taken an adults only cruise, including an 11-night cruise that we took just the two of us. So wanted to share with everyone else out there, kind of the tips and tricks around adults only cruising, some things you might not think to do if you're on a family cruise, but you could do on an adult cruise. And Christina, you've done five Disney cruises. Is that right? Adults, adults only? Yes. So why don't we start there, Christina? What's your Disney background? So I would say my kind of home Disney park growing up was Disney World. I probably went five or so times. And then I went to Disneyland once. And then I went to Disney World again once in college. And then my husband and I had both gone there a lot as children. And so we decided we would go for our honeymoon in 2010. And then, you know, we bought a house and we kind of like weren't going on big vacations to different places for a few years. But then in 2015, we went back to Disney World and we really enjoyed it. We realized that it's really someplace we we love. And we got really into the whole Disney community, like listening to podcasts and Facebook groups and whatnot. So that's kind of when we got hooked on doing a lot of Disney stuff. We went to Disneyland together the next year in 2016. And then in 2017, we went to Disneyland Paris and we decided to buy DVC. And we went to Alani in 2018 and we stopped in Disneyland on the way back from Alani (laughs) and used our Grand California points there. And then we went back to Disney World three times in 2018, 2019, because with DVC, we were able to get the gold annual pass for like the same price as like a 10 day ticket or it was about that back then. So we ended up going back for Christmas and we decided to do a land sea one time when we were going to do a seven night cruise. We like cut it back to do some days at Disney World. We also went back to Disneyland last December and we have our first ABD scheduled for this coming February. We'll see if that happens. Ooh, where's that? For do the backstage magic in, in California. Oh, that's the one we want to do. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, speaking of adults-only things, it's an adults-only departure of ABD. Oh, cool. I've never been on an ABD before, but it'll be interesting. So it sounds like you guys are kind of all in similar to us, all in your, you know, your parks enthusiasts, you're into the cruise line, you're DVC members. Well, we haven't been to Alani, so you've got us beat on that one. And we're going to embark on our first ABD next year as well. Uh, where's So your home resort, you said uh, you have, you own at Grand Cal? Yeah, we decided to, to uh, own at Grand California. We bought resale because we kind of figured there's a lot of resorts at Disney World would have a better chance of getting in somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our preferences of where we like to stay at Disney World, but like we could stay anywhere and be very happy. But at, at least at the time in California, there was only one DVC resort. So yep. that's yep. changing soon. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I think that's a that is a smart play. So let's dive into Disney Cruise Line and tell us which ships have you been on? 
Oh, we've been on everything but the dream. So the wonder, the magic and the fantasy. And so what itineraries then have you sailed? When we were, my husband and I were graduating college, my dad, my stepmom had gone with my younger sister on a number of Disney cruises while I was in college. And like the dates didn't work out for me to go. Mm -hmm. So as a graduation present, they got me, I think it was a three night Bahamas cruise. I was on the wonder. So my then fiance and now my husband and I went, um, which was like a really great experience. It was right after Christmas because that's like when worked out best in our schedules. Mm -hmm. We're both teachers. So that kind of hooked. And then in 2011, a year after we got married, we decided for our one year anniversary to go on a Mediterranean cruise out of Barcelona on the magic, which was really awesome. And then we didn't really do too much Disney for a little bit or or even cruising for a little bit. And then in 2016, my in-laws really wanted to go on an Alaskan cruise. And we looked at a bunch of different cruise lines with them. And they decided that Celebrity would probably be the best for the whole family group that was going. So we went on that cruise with them on Celebrity, mm-hmm. but it kind of got us back into cruising. So then in, for 2018, 2019, and 2020, in February every year, my husband and I have gone on a Disney cruise. So 2018, we did the Marvel Day at Sea out of Miami. And then 2019, we did the Land-Sea Combo with, uh, I think it was a four-night Bahamanian cruise on the Wonder. And then this last February, 2020, right before the shutdown, we did the Star Wars Day at Sea on the Fantasy. Oh, nice. So you've got kind of a lot of variety there with different travel itineraries. So who's, so it sounds like your usual travel party is yourself and your husband. Is that right? Yes. And so it sounds like you're also where you've sailed out of is a, is a little bit varied, but, but probably the majority, it sounds like is Port Canaveral. Yes. And, and so, uh, where do you like to stay before the cruises? So I stayed one time at the Hyatt for one night at the airport, which was very convenient, very easy. That was what we did this February. Last February, we kind of did split park days around when the cruise was happening. So we stayed for two nights at the Art of Animation because I just I really wanted to check it out before the cruise. And it worked out really well because we were able to like spend the morning of the cruise instead of trying to go to a park for a couple hours and come back. We just like spent the morning like walking around the Art of Animation and Pop Century and like checking out all the cool like big icons they have there. Mm-hmm. And we used the pool there that morning. So that was like a good pre-cruise night stay. And then after the cruise that year, we stayed at the Dolphin. We really like that area by the boardwalk, the beach club. We think it's like really convenient to be able to walk to both Hollywood Studios and Epcot. So oftentimes if we don't, we were out of DVC points at the moment for that cruise, but we still had the annual pass. So we we were trying to take advantage of more days, even Mm -hmm. though we didn't have any more DVC points left. So we were able to find a cheaper rate at the Dolphin, which we really liked because of its location. Yeah, we love that Epcot Resort area as well. We love being able to walk right into the World Showcase. And you're right, you can, you know, you're real close to uh, Hollywood Studios as well. What did you think of the Hyatt? We we thought it was fine. I mean, we were there for like a really short amount of time. I think we got in at like nine or 10 o'clock at night and, you know, slept and then went downstairs the next morning. And it, it's a little bit of like a wait in the morning because you, you kind of like you... You sit around and then at some point they they call you to to register to get on for the this is for taking the Disney bus to the port. And then we had to wait a little bit longer after we kind of got registered and then we got on the bus. But we were at the port really early, probably like 10, 30, 11 and had a way right in through security. We didn't have to wait in any line for security from the bus. So that was great. It was we got there definitely much earlier than when we had stayed at the Art of Animation where 
you had to check in at 11 for the Disney transportation, but then you kind of had to wait around and we didn't really get picked up till 12. And then we picked up somebody else and didn't get to the port till like 1.30. I mean, we knew that going in. So I was happy to, to do that because I knew that's what it was. But if you wanted to get there earlier, I think, you know, taking an Uber or something like that, or doing the Disney transportation from the airport gets you there earlier. Yeah, I was going to say, so I guess for the benefit of our listeners, uh, just to flag that we are working on a video series, or it may already be out by the time this podcast comes out, called DCL 101. And one of the episodes will be on where to stay and how to get to the ports. And I'll just, I'll quickly flag that there are some great pros and cons to staying at the parks before a cruise and staying at the Hyatt. I think the major pros of staying at the Hyatt are that you walk off the plane and you're at the hotel. And they also have a really nifty service where if you have signed up for it in advance, you can leave your luggage in your hotel room. Disney will come collect that luggage and take it to the ship. And so you just leave your hotel room, head to the ship, right. you know, via whatever, carry on. whatever method of transportation, and then, you know, just your carry on. And then the next time you see your luggage is on board, which I think is fantastic. Major cons are not a ton to do in the airport. So, you know, if, right. if there's a food court and yeah, some shopping, yeah. there's a food court, the Hyatt has a restaurant and there's room service and that kind of stuff. It's, you know, but it's, it's an, it's a nice experience. If you're coming in the day before and heading out on the cruise the next day, if you're coming in for a few days, I'd advocate stay someplace else. I think that, you know, if you're coming in later into Orlando and then you're going to be cruising out of Port Canaveral the next day, I do think the airport hotel, the the Hyatt is a great option. Yeah. One other, one other thing to flag is the getting there component, especially if it's adults only, if it's just, you know, if it's just two of you, a lot of times the math on the Disney transportation can work out pretty well. The downside of it is if you're staying on property and Christina, you alluded to this, you're staying on property, taking Disney transportation. It traditionally picks up much later in the day. It hops resort to resort to fill up so much like the magic express does going back to the airport and so you're going to be getting to the ship sort of much later than you normally would or could just to mention about transportation if i can when we went to other ports i really enjoyed staying at the dis whatever hotel disney cruise line had set up because they arranged transportation from the airport to the hotel so the one in miami was beautiful it was right on south beach and then they had a bus the disney cruise line type bus bring you from the hotel to the port and that didn't get there as late that got there earlier in the day. So that was very convenient and easy. And they took your luggage just like the Hyatt for Miami. And we did that in Barcelona too. So those were very convenient. All right. So we've gotten to the port and we've gotten checked in through security. We're walking through the Mickey ears arch and we're heading into the lobby of the ship. Christina, where are you heading first on your fabulous adults only adventure? So it really depends like what we want to do on that ship. Usually one of the first things we do is get lunch. We had really enjoyed doing the sit-down lunch as an option, especially I think when we were a little bit younger in our 20s, we thought it was like so fancy and so fun to have the sit-down lunch. And now we actually enjoy the buffet a little bit more. We like to get the buffet and then take our food down to the adults-only area where it's usually not crowded at all on opening day and just sit out there by the pool and eat our lunch there. So that's usually the first thing we do. We sometimes do the spa open house as well, especially this first time we were on the Fantasy on one of the bigger ships. I really wanted to see the Rainforest Room because that's very different on the smaller and the bigger ships. One time we had to change our dining reservation. We had been assigned late and I decided we wanted to switch to early. So we did that. Something else we really like to do the first day is go to the kids club open houses because the kids clubs are really cool. And the open houses, they let the adults in. So like... The hand-washing station is fun to play with. It's fun to see all the different decor they have inside. The club area has a lot of like fun things, usually different adventure characters or driving the Millennium Falcon. And it's fun to get to do that stuff as an adult too. 
and usually a lot of cool like photo ops and fun things to take pictures with. And they're different on each of the ships. That's, I think, one of the things people might not realize is the the rooms are decorated differently. Now, there's some there's some similarities between, you know, the magic and the wonder and the dream and the fantasy, but they, they all do have some different stuff. And so it, it's really cool to check those out. We've done that. We always, we love the hand washing stations. We love to go check out the kids clubs in that open house time before one, we're locked out. We're not allowed in, but two, before there's a lot of people in there too, because even the open houses get a little bit more crowded later on in the day. And then we really like to go to the adults only pool. The adults only pool is always like a lot less people soup than the kids and family pool. But first day, it's usually very not crowded. There's like very few people in it. I think because you can't send kids to the clubs that first day um, to stay there. There None of the parents who are on board are really in the adults only area. So like you get the pool almost to yourself, it feels like. So that's fun. And then of course, on the bigger ships, the aqua dock, and then on the magic, the aqua dunk, it was a good time to try to like hit those slides too that first day. Yeah, that's a good point. There's the lines for the slides are really not bad. And the you're right, the pool, particularly the adults only pool, even the even the family pool area is less crowded that first day. There are some people who are head there first for sure, but it's definitely less crowded than it will be later on in the cruise. Yeah. And you just have to remember to like bring your swimsuit with you because you won't have your luggage yet. Right, right. Good tip. So as Christina is saying, you you need to have you have to usually bring on a carry on bag with you and your carry on bag is everything you're going to need for that day. You don't need towels, but you need if your own bathing suit, whatever else you need for the pool, sunscreen, flip flops, whatever, because your regular luggage gets delivered to your stateroom later in the day and even can come as late as um, second seating dinner or even the show. It typically comes, you know, somewhere by like, I'd say like 6 p.m., but we've had it. We've had it, I think, one time where it didn't show up until like eight, which is not a big deal. You know, first night of on Disney, every night of dinner is casual, but particularly the first night is, is the most casual, I would say. So you've mentioned some great things here in your in sort of where you were headed first and kind of mapping out your first day. People who've sailed on Disney before know there are adult areas, but I think there are lots of people out there who haven't sailed on Disney Cruise Line before who think, oh, it's just a mess of kids, right? It's mess of kids and families. Why would I want to be in the middle of all of that? But Disney, I think, has actually done a really nice job of providing respite areas for adults, in part because there are adults who cruise just adults, but also in part because if your kids are in the kids club, you can go to the adult only areas. And so maybe we could maybe we could sort of spend some time just sort of talking through what are some of those adult only areas. You mentioned one in your answer, maybe we start there, which is adult only pools. So I think all the ships have adult only pools. So any favorites, Sam, Christina, in terms of the adult only the adult only pools? So I prefer the adult only pools on the Magic and Wonder, the, the older, smaller ships. I think the pool area itself is a little bit bigger where it's like at where it's the normal depth of the pool and they have a stage right there and like my favorite thing to do on a cruise is to be in the pool and be listening to someone play guitar or violin or something live and you can hear it on the fantasy and the dream the i assume on the dream but on the fantasy at least i know because they usually have those people performing on the next deck yep, up right above see it so i mean it's like it's not a huge deal but i just like the setup of the magic and the wonder better i feel like there's a little bit more space for people who are actually in the pool the fantasy has a larger area but a lot of it is shallow and there's a bar right there and so 
there's places to like sit and lounge, but it's not as much of a much as big of an area to actually be in four feet of water if that's what you want to do. You know what I mean? So I totally agree. I think that pool area is better. But the one thing that the fantasy and the dream have that the magic and the wonder have that's an adults only area is Satellite Falls. So I love Satellite Falls, which is up two decks above, I think, the the, the adults only pool on both the fantasy and the dream. And it's one of the adults only areas. What is that on the front or the back of the ship? I can the never, front. The front of the ship. That's the right. Yeah. So it's up in the very, it's up at the very front of the ship. And so it's generally quieter than the adults only pool area, at least on the dream and the magic. Well, two, two things on the fancy and the dream. I prefer the quiet pool area that's by the Cove Cafe, which we'll put a pin in the Cove Cafe for a second. But Satellite Falls is so windy. Like it's just so windy. And then you're up there and it's windy and the, the pool is not a pool. It's like, it's a, like a little... It's like a misting thing with a, some water for your feet. And like it's like blowing back at it's you. It's like so, a toddler wading pool is yeah. the best way to describe it. But I actually like it because I like I to sit other- and read a book in it. I can't read a book in it because the thing is <laughs> so windy. Like I love that little pool that's by, by Cove Cafe. There's a bar. There's an actual pool you can sit in. There's a place where you can wait. And it's it's just adults. Right, the regular adults. But, but I do want to comment on the noise thing for a second. I think Disney does a really good job. And I've said this before. When you walk past the sort of, you know, barriers between the oh, yeah. family area and the adult only area, it's like you're stepping into another world. There's like there could be a deck party going on in the kids family area. And you walk past those barriers a few feet and you're like, you you know, to Christina's point, there's guitar music wafting in the air and people <laughs> with drinks. And you're like, am I on the same cruise ship? So yeah. no, I'm totally, really good at that. I totally agree. The only thing I would say is that on all of the ships, it is the adults only, the regular adults only pool area. The part that you're talking about, Brian, is an area that kids and families and everyone sort of has to walk through to get to, depending I upon. I don't if, think the traffic is as bad as you think it is. Listen, I don't, I'm not saying the traffic is bad. I'm just saying there is traffic Hold walking through. Christina wants to comment yeah. there. Go ahead, go for it, Christina. I think the traffic is much worse on the fantasy or probably on the dream too, because there's rooms over by the spa yep. that is right by the adults only area. I don't see that on the magic and wonder very much. I don't really see kids and families walking through, but Disney is so much better about keeping kids out of the adults only pool and pool area than the the one cruise I went on with Celebrity. They were like often kids in the adults only pool oh, and really? no one's doing anything about it. Oh wow. Yeah. No, you I feel like you definitely see don't see um kids in the adults only pool. And one thing I'll, the other thing I'll say about design here is what Disney does is cluster the adult areas on the front end and the back end of the ship. And so the middle stairwell will take you through all the kind of areas that are open to everyone, whereas the front and the back, you know, will kind of connect you to the adults only areas or obviously other areas mixed in there, like the movie theater and that sort of stuff. But so on the front of the ship, you've got the, the spa, you've got the adults only pools and Cove Cafe. And on the back of the ship, you're going to have the adults-only restaurants, the Meridian Bar, which connects those two restaurants, and then the adults-only sort of club area, which turns adults-only, by the way, only after 7 o'clock at night, I think it is. I think it's 9. 9. It's 9. 9. o'clock at night. So the rest of the day, it's kind of used for other activities, and families can be in there. Let's go back to the front of the ship. We talked about the pools and some of our favorites there. Cove Cafe, yay or nay? Sam? 
Yay. Of course. We live in, so we live in the Seattle area. So we're big coffee drinkers and we don't drink that swill that comes out of the coffee machines up on deck 11. Joffrey's. They recently <laughs> switched to Joffrey's yeah. on board. Yes. We don't drink, Brian and I, do, we don't drink Joffrey's. So I, I'm well, sorry. I'll drink, I I'll drink Joffrey's. I just I, won't enjoy it. <laughs> I apologize for calling it swill for anybody out there who really enjoys Joffrey's, but it's not, um, it's just not our cup of coffee. on on that note that's kind of how i feel about the cafe in general i drink tea not coffee and disney has a beautiful selection of teas right on the like free go get your soda stations there's there's a beautiful selection of of twinings right yeah yeah. there's great great choices of tea right there that are free and i often go and get a cup of tea there my husband and i do sometimes stop into the cafe to get some of like the pastries that they have out which are nice but we don't usually spend a lot of time sitting in there we i feel like there's always something we're trying to go do on the disney cruise there's like so much to do and it's also a little weird to me that it's right next to the pool but you can't go in there in a bathing suit or like you have to have a cover-up or something on i feel like the number of times like my husband's tried to go in there and just swim shorts and like a towel and they're like oh put a shirt on and it's like (laughs) have a cookie like (laughs) so it's just i i get what they're trying to do with the ambiance there but it's just it's a weird location to be like oh i want to grab a cookie here and you have to like get dressed up to do it um (laughs) yeah although i'll say the cove cafe is probably one of my favorite spots on the ship i go there every morning to get our coffees and i'd say the pro tip is you can get a punch card that gets you a free coffee if if you're a i guess the way to say if you're an espresso coffee drinker this is the place you have to go they don't really have any free options for espresso coffee in the morning and so this is where you go to get your latte or your mocha they also have a really fabulous cold brewed coffee that they make in a special like Erlenmeyer flask setup, you know, that's really, really kind of fun to see. They do have free pastries in the morning, kind of, you know, the higher, yeah, higher end pastries in the morning and throughout the day. And then at night they actually switch over to kind of a, what do you call it? A um, charcuterie charcuterie and crudite kind of thing. You go to get a plate of, you know, olives and meats and cheeses and stuff, which is kind of fun at night to have like a little snack and cocktails um, out on the deck while you listen to the guitar music play. Yeah. The other part that I would say about Cove Cafe is it also, they have they switch over to being like a bar later. And so to Brian's point with those, not just the snacks, but sort of the, you can get cocktails there. And it's a, so it's another, another adults only sort of bar area that people don't think of as a, as a bar. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually enjoy sitting in the Cove Cafe during the day and like reading a book, because if, if you're on a really hot Southern Caribbean cruise, the Cove Cafe is, or Caribbean cruise, the Cove Cafe is air conditioned. So you can just kind of sit in there and plop down, read a book and they have, you know, somewhat kind of table service. They'll come over and bring you coffee and, and you know, things like that. So it's, I, I enjoy the Cove Cafe. It's one of my favorite spots on board the, the ship. They usually have a television screen on the wall that shows like where all the Disney ships are in the world, which is like kind of fun to see. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. That's a good point. I like that. There's lots of, I I think throughout the spaces, it's really interesting just to kind of peek around because of that one else, they have like, you know, the pictures of Walt up doing different things or books or prints or, you know, whatever it is. There's always just this little bit of stuff kind of scattered around the ship. That's kind of fun. But yeah, Cove Cafe, uh, that TV screen is fun to watch where all the positions of the ships are. Yeah. There is another coffee spot that's not an adults only spot, but it tends to have mostly adults kind of sitting in that area. And that is up on, on the bigger ships. I'm trying to remember where it is on the smaller ships or if it exists on the smaller no, ships. I don't think it exists on the smaller ships. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's, I think it's deck five um, and it's like by the atrium area on the dream and the fantasy. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's another little cafe, but it's more like a counter, a service kind of a place. And it's, and it's got the same 
kind of coffee options and the same pastry options that you can get at Cove Cafe. And just to clarify, too, at both of those locations on the bigger ships and just at the cafe and the smaller ones, the coffees cost money, but the pastries and the you know appetizer things in the evening are free for anyone to, to go up and get or any adults to go up and get. So I want to talk about uh, another. Let's talk about some other areas of the ship. Well, why don't we, why don't we stay in that area and head over to the spa? Yeah. Like you're an adults only cruise. That means, you know, no kids to deal with in terms of getting those spa appointments. So Christina, are you a fan of the spa? Have you done any of the treatments over there? So we did the rainforest room on the fantasy for the first time this February. We, we really enjoyed it. We did it kind of as if it was our port excursion for two of the ports we went to that we didn't really, there wasn't anything that we really wanted to do on the port. So we figured the port days would be less crowded there than the sea days. And there's so much else to do on the sea days. So we kind of set ourselves up to do like, we're going to spend most of the day here checking out the different things in the rainforest room those days. And it was very nice on the, on the larger ships. They over it's 18 plus it overlooks the water. There's two little hot tubs that are just two people each in there. And then there's probably like 10 of the heated tile loungers that I just, I loved being in the heated tile loungers. I think we spent a few hours there because there was there was really no one waiting for us. You know, they, were all, they weren't all taken up. So we enjoyed that. We enjoyed the different showers they have. Some are colder, some are hot, some have scents with them, different type of shower heads. There's a sauna and two different steam rooms. So it was, we really enjoyed spending a lot of time there and just relaxing in there. And it was a great way to have like a very relaxing vacation. Like we weren't rushing to go do something. We could just spend a good chunk of time in that space. We really enjoyed it. Yeah. Brian is a big fan of the rainforest room as well. It's not my thing. I understand why other people like it. I like those, the hot tubs and the loungers, but I don't, I don't like the different, the showers or I love, the I love me some, ar- some Arctic shower and, <laughs> yeah. and he mom scrubs and all of that. It's yeah. just, it's so relaxing. He and likes fun. that stuff. I don't like, I well, like you can, the, you can sit in a, you can sit in a, uh, we call it not, a sauna staring out a window to the ocean. Oh man, it's, yeah. it's so relaxing. And so the pro tip on the rainforest room is that you can buy one day passes and then advance of your cruise at a bit of a discount. I, I and if, use them on any day, right? Use them on any day. And I, re- I recommend, so I have done now a few times buying the whole cruise length pass. And I think it just creates more pressure because you're sort of like, Oh, I didn't go today. And, and I, I love buying just like for seven night cruise, buying like one or two days of a rainforest room pass is just about perfect, especially with the ports of call and all that stuff. You can just, you're, you're probably going to go once or twice. And that's, that's probably enough. I also We'll say I recommend going earlier in the day. Yeah. Well, it's also it'll also be less crowded. Earlier in the day is always going to be less crowded. Or as Christina suggests, the port days are probably the port port days days in general are great to go to the spa. If you're if you've been to the port before, you're not real keen on it or you don't you know, you looked at the offerings for excursions and you're like, eh, I don't really like these excursions. I would say, yeah, the spa is great, whether you're getting a treatment or you're doing the rainforest room or some combination of those or you're spending some time in the gym. I mean, those the gym is part of the spa, just for our listeners who might not know it. The gym is its own large room, but it is all attached to the spa. So you sort of walk in through and you pass the front desk for the spa and it's all one locker room. I was just going to say the gym is included in your cruise fare. It's free to use, but it is 18 plus. It's another adult only area. And also... The rainforest rooms are very different on the magic and the wonder. I've never really felt it worthwhile for me personally to buy a pass for them. I just I think the added element of on the fantasy and the dream of looking out at the ocean, looking out at the port just really adds a big element to it. 
That's a like good tip. We were in Cozumel. We were at port, but they were there were people playing music on the port that we could hear in the rainforest room like all day. You know, so even if we didn't get off the ship and enjoy Cozumel, like we were still having some of the port experience just by being in the rainforest room, which is nice. Yeah, that's a good point. They are different. And the the ones on the Magic and the Wonder are also smaller. So there's there's a few less options in the, the rainforest room there. So, okay. So I think we've covered all the adult areas on kind of the front of the ship. I want to hit pause for a second and cover a couple of things that aren't adult only before we skip over to the back of the ship where the rest of the adult areas are. So two, two questions for you, Christina. Let's start with, we didn't talk about staterooms. So you're traveling adults only. Any considerations you have around what kind of stateroom you like to sail in? So our first two cruises, when we were younger in our early 20s, we both we did inside staterooms for both of them. And I think that was perfectly fine. You know, there's only two of us. We don't need a ton of room. I think it's very nice to have an inside stateroom. When we went with our in-laws to Alaska, they got us a veranda. So that we kind of saw what the benefit of having a veranda. So now I look at the cost difference. And if it's like less than $100 a day difference, I usually will jump for the veranda. And we enjoy using the veranda, but I can't like, justify spending $3,000 more, $4,000 more to have a veranda than an inside stateroom. You know what I mean? The brand is just like an added perk if it's not too expensive, you know? Yeah, no, totally agree. I will say, I think one of the great things about Disney's um, staterooms is one, they're bigger than other cruise lines in general, but two, they have a lot of storage space. So especially when it's just the two of us, like we have plenty of plenty of space to store all of our stuff. To, you know, we, we like to unpack and, and put everything in the drawers or in the closet areas. And yeah, there's plenty of room for two people. So we really like to unpack too. And we kind of learned after our first cruise, we're like, you have to spend all this time packing the first night that like my husband's gotten in a habit of like when I'm taking longer to get ready to go to dinner or something, he just like starts packing up our stuff from that day into our luggage. So like he puts the luggage under the bed and then like pulls it out and packs a little at a time. So by the end of the cruise, it's like almost everything is already packed, you know, and it's kind of like something to do while he's waiting for me (laughs) to get ready. So Sam, stop Uh, staring at me over your microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really smart. We've never done that, but I I might have to try doing that on our next cruise. Well, we, yeah, we also tend to try to pack a little lighter and, and like on a seven night cruise, we might do laundry once. Right. I will say, so I agree on a, a, from a stateroom standpoint, adults only cruising really, you should just kind of sail with what you can afford, what you're going to be most comfortable with. I will say two considerations. We always give staterooms. One is you know, everyone gravitates towards these verandas and, you know, obviously the cruise lines are going more and more toward verandas. A friend of ours gave us a tip on our Southern Caribbean sailing. We were, we were traveling in September and he just commented like, you Seattle people are going to melt in that heat. Like, and, and so he just sort of said, you don't need a veranda because you're never going to be out on it. It's so hot. And so we opted for a ocean view stateroom on that cruise and it has become our favorite category of stateroom. And I also think it's our, one of our favorites for adult cruising for the reasons we were discussing earlier, which is, the adult sort of daytime activity areas are all crushed up against the front of the ship, right? You cove cafe pools, all of that stuff. So we tend to stay in an ocean view stateroom on the forward end of the ship and we can just walk down the hall on a higher deck. We can walk down the hall and just go up two floors and we're at the spa. We're at cove cafe. We're at the pools, right? So it kind of preserves that almost adult ship within a ship experience when, when we do that. So that's kind of fun. We like that too. On the older ships, there's even some inside staterooms that are kind of like sideways. So those have kind of like a nice layout where you kind of enter into where the couch is and then the bed is, is over to the 
to the right or to the left. And I don't know, it's just a little bit different, but we kind of like that noser right up front. The only thing I would say about that is we like the soda, the free soda, and you have to go to the back of the ship <laughs> or at least to like the middle of the ship by the family pool to get the free soda and come back to the adults only area, which isn't which isn't hard to do, but like they could put a soda fountain in the adults only area. It wouldn't hurt anyone, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that would be really nice if they had some kind of drink station in that adults only area. I'm not sure where, where they'd have room to do it, but I, I think it would be very convenient. I worry it would increase traffic. Frankly, that's true. Frankly, I'm worried about increased traffic. We, I want to add one thing to the stateroom discussion, which is if you are traveling adults only, you should pay attention to your room location. And this is not a room category, but room location. You do not want to be right by the kids' clubs because the kids are running down the hallways of the rooms right by the kids' clubs when they're coming in and out, and particularly the the tween club in particular and the teenage club. Let's one more topic, sort of outside the adult only areas, is dining time. Now you mentioned. Mentioned, Christina, on one of your cruises, you wanted to go from late to early. Sam and I tend to love the late dining time when we're an adults only, but when our son is with us, we have to have early dining. What are some of the considerations around dining time, Christina, that you guys have? So on our two earlier cruises, when we were in our early 20s, I don't even know if they asked us or if we just signed up so late, we got assigned second dining. And it was really great. We had like a long table. There was like three other couples that were about the same age group as us. We were all really enjoying, you know, this luxurious dining experience, especially for like people in their early 20s. So people were getting lots of drinks, multiple appetizers. The dinners would be really long. We would usually spend, especially in the second dining, like over two hours there. Sometimes we would be like the last group to leave the restaurant. And it was really fun. And you know, we hung out with those people, some other places on the ship and whatnot. And so that was great for then. But now that we're in like our early 30s and we're both teachers and we're used to eating earlier, we prefer the earlier dining. We've still been sat with like great people. Sometimes it's just one other couple. Sometimes it's more couple, more people. But it just happens to be like when we like to eat at home more in the earlier dining. So we've kind of switched to that now. I think the other thing to consider is if you're on. So when we were on the med, one of our port adventures got back so late that like we had to either we would have missed first dining Mm -hmm. so had second dining and we actually ended up deciding that we'd rather go to the show than dining that night so we went to the show and we just got room service in our room later which you can do I mean you don't have to go to dining every night but just you know some of those port adventures and some of the longer port adventures can end up coming back a little bit later and you might miss first dining yeah that's a really good tip I think for cruising in Europe in general because Alaska and Alaska because a lot of the port excursions are very long and you're at port for a longer day than you are, let's say in the Caribbean In the Caribbean, you're usually leaving the port by like five. So you'll have no trouble making that first dining seating. But for the European ones and the Alaska ones, you may not get back in time for, for first seat. Well, it's, it's actually the reverse problem in Europe. You'll get in late and then you'll be out late in Alaska. You have to get up exceedingly early, early in the morning. And so you might think about an early dining because you're going to have to get up early and be back to the ship. So some of those port adventures can start, I think like even like six or seven o'clock in the morning in Alaska. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you got to just got to think through when you're think through your whole day. I will say in a run of the mill Caribbean cruise, we prefer late dining when we're adults only for one reason, which is the sort of you go to the show early, you have some time in between to grab kind of a cocktail and mingle and, you know, do whatever. And then like to go to Meridian or Skyline and you head into dinner and dinner wraps up right when all the adult activities are kicking off in the area the ship will head to next. And you can just head straight into those like adult shows, adult activities and all that sort of stuff. So just, it feels like, you know, uh, just a a nice adults night out. Right. And the dining room for late dining seating tends to be far fewer 
kids. It tends or to be you, a lot more adults. Yeah, it tends. To, I would say it just far it, fewer younger kids. younger kids, right? It skews instead of the elementary school age kids. It's more of the tween and teen age. Well, kids. is it the late dining that they come pick the kids up? Yes, and the late dining. So it's like 30 minutes into dining, like sometimes the room clears out of the kids because the counselors from the kids club will come and pick kids up from dinner and they serve the kids first. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's keep with the dining theme for a second. And there is some special dining available to adults only, and that is Palo aboard all four ships or Remy and Palo aboard the Fantasy and the Dream. Christina, have you experienced any of the dining options in the adults only dining areas? Yeah, we really love Palo. We didn't do it our first two cruises back in 2009, 2011. I think it was only like a $5 upcharge back then. And we were still like, why why would we pay $5 when we have like (laughs) such nice, wonderful food in the main dining room? Yeah, Um, little did you know, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But on our last uh, last three cruises, we have done Palo every time we really enjoy the brunch and the dinner. We we haven't done Remy. Like I said, I'm a bit of a picky eater. So is my husband in, in some ways too. So it's not really our type of food, but Paolo has been wonderful. My husband loves the lasagna and the chicken parm at brunch. We, on our last cruise in February, we, we ended up with an extra sea day because we couldn't make it to one port. So we actually went to brunch three times and <laughs> uh, dinner once as well. I love the papadella pasta that they have there that they make in-house. With this, like They have like a very plain but really great tomato sauce that they put with it. And the servers are so attentive too. Like I, would, I said to the first person the first time, like, I don't really like a lot of the stuff on the menu. I don't really like like mixed things and all sorts of creative dishes. Like I just really want to try some like plain pasta and she's like oh this is the pasta you need to get we make it here this is the sauce it's not they don't pair together on the menu but i'll have them put it together for you like they have the the pizzas are amazing there to the flatbread pizzas Mm -hmm. for brunch so there are so many great options even if you're a bit of a picky eater and like you know might be scared off by the menu to start with yeah no i totally agree and i think you've made some really good points i think for for anyone who is a pickier eater, I think you're absolutely right, Christina. Remy's probably not your style because Remy is a kind of restaurant where you really give yourself over to the chef and they just make you what they want to make you. And and that's sort of typical of that style of fine dining. And it's wonderful if you're more of an adventurous eater. It's probably not right for everyone. But Paulo, on the other hand, is really, I think anyone can enjoy. It is also upscale dining. I, I won't call it fine dining. I'll call it upscale dining. It's, I don't know if other people will understand that, but it's, you order off the menu and you pick all your dishes and you definitely can make adjustments to the dishes. And they are really wonderful about that. And there's a lot of options and it's Italian food, which I think for most Americans is very accessible. So it's just elevated Italian food is what I would say. I agree. And we love the brunch and I am kind of jealous that you did the brunch three times on one cruise. Well, (laughs) I was going to say we should, we, we have an episode for those listening. We have an episode to go back on adult dining experiences so you can go back and learn a lot more about all of these but just to sort of put it all in perspective for everybody so Paolo and Remy are both upcharge restaurants Paolo is higher end Italian they offer a brunch and a dinner Remy is super high-end dining experience think if you understand sort of what michelin starred restaurants are yeah. really would be the equivalent of a two to three michelin starred restaurant at sea and it's um, french it's, it's it's french and american yes. it actually is overseen by the same chefs that oversee victorian alberts at walt disney world which is the finest of dining experiences that disney world offers and is actually i don't remember if it's two or three michelin stars but it is a michelin starred restaurant in florida and so they offer a champagne brunch experience a 
dinner experience and then they have a dessert experience. I actually think they've recently launched a small plates experience at, at Remy as well. But Remy is going to be significantly more than Palo and some of the menu includes upcharges for things like a caviar service, a Wagyu beef add-on. Foie gras. Foie gras. There's going to be some very nice expensive wine flights that you can pay for. And so, you know, you're not going to get out of Remy in my estimation for less than probably 400 ish dollars after all the upcharges. I mean, it's possible to really. Yeah, you can limit. limit. Yeah. But, you know, you're looking at probably easily a 250 to 500 dollar meal for a couple. You know, Remy is... Unless you don't drink. Remy is very, very high end. The service is impeccable. Palo is going to be a much more just accessible Italian meal. Now, it's not going to be at dinner. Some of the traditional Italian dishes, you're not going to find spaghetti and meatballs at dinner. You're going to find a lot more sort of northern Italian cuisine. Brunch, by the way, is the star of the show, in my (laughs) opinion, at Palo. It is an amazing experience where they have both a buffet side of things that includes things like caviar and crab legs and fresh seafood and antipasti and desserts and um, pastries, pastries, including some just wonderful warm sticky buns with caramel sauce on top that I could eat every day and weigh 5,000 pounds. They are amazing. But then they also have a menu order off of that has some really great Italian dishes. One of the best lasagnas I've had probably anywhere. And, you know, so some great Italian dishes for brunch. You can also order breakfast dishes, although my recommendation is steer clear. The breakfast fare is ordinary breakfast fare. You could find it just about any brunch anywhere in the world. The Italian food is where they shine. And so, you know, but that brunch is amazing. Now, when you think about these adult dining experiences, the other thing tip I'll give you is you got to reserve them in advance. These are the only two places on the ship where they're going to enforce a dress code. The dress code differs slightly for brunch versus dinner, but there is a dress code. They will enforce it. We have seen people sent back to their cabins to put on nicer clothes than what they were wearing or given the dreaded loner jacket for dinner at at Remy. I was just going to add, it, it is a little like competitive to get spots for brunch. So like on our last cruise, I had booked one for the second sea day because it wasn't a lot available online for the first sea day. But then when we got on board, we got one for the, the first sea day as well. And then we were like walking through the lobby when they made the announcement that we weren't going to be able to go into port that day. <laughs> but we're going to offer a brunch. And I was like, where's the courtesy phone? Where's the courtesy phone? Like, <laughs> like called and get booked for Apollo again. Oh so. yeah. You got it. That's, that was really smart. I think you, you jump on that uh, reservation and do it through the online check-in process. And so I would book that Apollo brunch. I would book before you even try to book your excursions because if, particularly if you're on a shorter cruise, cause you're going to have a lot less opportunity, but you can write when you get on the ship, just like Christina talked about with, if you want to change your dining, you, there's, you know, there's a, somebody you can go talk to and change your dining from early to late or late to early, or at least to get on the wait list for it if it's full. But there's always a place you can also go to see if you can get a, a reservation for Apollo or Remy if you didn't get one in the online check-in. And so they do have hold some spots. Only one only one thing trumps Palo or Remy reservation, and that's if you want a cabana on Castaway Key. Yeah, not, not going to happen. Well, <laughs> you, if, if you want any hope of it, you have to go and get on your, your name on that list first. Just so you were saying the cabanas, I've noticed when I, we've never gotten one because it doesn't really appeal to us, but I've noticed that on Serenity Bay, the adult only cabanas sometimes are still available later than the family cabanas are for like check-in. So sometimes even when we were silver, I would see that there were some adult only cabanas available still. So that's another benefit. 
being adult only that like you could take advantage of getting those easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, You have more chances. If you're a family, you can only go for a family cabana. If you're adults only, you can try for the, either the family cabana or the Serenity Bay cabana. And we, we've had the the wonderful experience of being able to have a Serenity Bay cabana on our first ever Disney cruise because of one of our friends who was platinum and was able to snag one. And so uh, that was an amazing experience. Well, let's, uh, we're going to get to Serenity Bay in a few minutes, but let's talk really fast about there's one other major adult area on the ship, and that is Europa on the Fantasy. I don't remember what it's called on the other ships off the top of my head because the Fantasy is one the of district. our favorites. The District, yeah. Um, I forget uh, what it's called. 366. Yes. Um, Oh, no, I think the wonder. I don't know what it is on the magic because we haven't been on it. Essentially, that is it is a self-contained kind of area that has, you know, like three to four bars. I think depending on the ship, usually one of them is going to be some form of an Irish pub where they're going to host pub trivia and have beer and sports and all that kind of stuff. One is going to be some form of a champagne bar on the fantasy. It's called Ooh La La. I think they have pink on the dream. They have a carousel bar on the fantasy that's just more of like a whimsical kind of standard bar, but it's in the round and they have live music there. And then they have a sort of a larger bar area uh, on the fantasy. It's called the tube. Yeah. It's sort of a club. It's themed out in some way on the fantasy. It's themed to like British kind of, it's got phone boxes and subway maps and it's supposed to look like the British tube. And they've got a stage there. That's where the adult shows take place at at the end of the night. And then they have skyline, which is sort of a very fun kind of adult area where they serve some specialty drinks and, and it's in a very loungy type atmosphere. And they've got screens along the walls that are constantly changing to show you different views of different European cities and all of the drink menus are to those cities and you can actually buy like a drink passport to sample drinks from the different cities and it's so it's all connected together in kind of one area and at nine o'clock at night it turns adults only and so christina where's your favorite spot to head at the end of the at the end of the night maybe it might be your stateroom for a nap but where's your favorite (laughs) spot to head at the end of the night so you're right that we don't stay up too, too late, but we really love the Cadillac Lounge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, that's on the Wonder. That's the piano bar. It's it's never very crowded. They have great pianists in there playing music all night. We really enjoy that. We enjoy all the live music on board, but particularly the piano lounge. We find that the ones on the Magic and the Wonder are a lot less crowded mm-hmm. than the one on the Fantasy. The, the one on the Fantasy this year in Ulala, it was like a really small space where the person was p- playing piano and it was was just it felt like it was always really crowded hard to get a seat and that was just like not our experience on the magic and wonder so we really enjoy going and listening to that in there i think officially it doesn't turn adults only until nine o'clock but even like you were saying earlier like seven o'clock or so when they start doing the music in those spaces it tends to be mostly adults only like i don't think we usually see a lot of kids in there if we're coming after first dining we really enjoy that especially I know like on the older ships, the Cadillac Lounge has the, or, or what the equivalent on the other older ship, I forget what it's called, but it has really big porthole windows and you can like sit and watch the water go by while you're listening to the music, which is just fantastic. We really enjoy that. Yeah. The other thing I would say about a lot of these adults only areas is they use them for other things earlier in the day. And so sometimes the family activities like an origami or towel animals or something like that, um, they have some that are adults only and some that are for families, but they will use some of those adult spaces, you know, the, particularly the larger ones to do some of those activities. 
So they aren't exclusively adults, but you're, I think you're right. Like places like the piano bar on all of the ships is, is going to tend to really not have a lot of kids in it, even, even throughout the day and particularly in the, in the early evening hours. And I think it's an important point to point out that the all ages activities, the family activities really are all ages and like adult only groups are very welcome to go to them. And, you know, we've gone to Disney tune trivia and we're very bad at it and we don't win, but there are plenty of adult only groups there. We don't feel like out of place going to a family event with just adults. I think like the only thing that's really restricted to just kids is the kids clubs and like certain areas on the pool deck for the little kids. But, you know, everything else is really for all ages. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, There are some other things like cooking demos. They have, there are cooking demos on the ships that are ones that are all ages and there's ones that are adults only as well. So those are available. There are some mixology classes. Now those are obviously adults only because you are get to do tastings and those are typically held in one of the adults only space well, bars. Well, they're typically held in. So what one bar we sort of mentioned, but oh, yeah. didn't really get into is Meridian. Meridian is the, is the, it's not adults only. Well, is it? It is. Yeah. So Meridian is the bar that is between Palo and Remy or up by Palo on the classic ships. And they'll have things up there like they'll have the drink tastings. They'll typically have very high end liquors. They're famous for their gin trolley that they'll bring over and mix you gin drinks off of. The pro tip with Meridian and most of the bars, by the way, if you're adults only cruising and you want to have a drink, you can ask them for what's in the bin, what's in the special bin. And that's where where they have opened traditionally some pretty nice bottles of wine, champagne. Yeah, it won't be liquor. Won't be liquor, but they'll have some, if you're a wine drinker or a champagne drinker, you can ask around at the different bars around what they've opened up and they will put those bottles on special because someone will have opened it up for a glass of wine and not finished it and they need to get rid of the bottle before it goes bad. And so it will typically be some pretty nice stuff at a pretty reasonable rate. We also went to one time a D23 lecture, which I think is relatively new that they've started trying to have bringing the Disney fan club of D23 experience to the ships. Have you guys done the Art of the Theme Show tour? We did. We've done it on all three ships that we've been on. We really enjoyed it. That's another like adults only activity. Sometimes we were on it and we were just like four or five of us on it. And sometimes we were on it and there was like a big, big group of people. But it's great to just see a little bit more about like why they chose certain elements of the ship, you know, why they chose the color schemes they did or why the music or the carpet or whatnot changes from space to space. So I feel like it's always fun because then, especially if you do it early in the cruise, every time you like walk by a painting that they talked about or whatever, later in the cruise, you're like, oh, that's pointing up to where the kids club is or... (laughs) Oh, that's to tell the drunk people where to go find this or whatnot, you know? (laughs) So one thing to mention in passing, and then let's shift over to our last sort of adults only area. The thing to mention in passing is if you're sailing adults only and you're looking to do shore excursions, Disney does offer some of its shore excursions as adult only excursions. And so if you're looking to have that more kid free experience in port, you should pay attention to the shore excursion offerings because some of those will be limited to adults. So just I'll mention that in passing, just something to watch out for as you're sort of booking your activities when you do your online check-in. The last adults-only area that we need to touch on is the stop at Castaway Key. If your sailing includes a Castaway Key stop, Disney has an adults-only area of the island called Serenity Bay. And Serenity Bay is an adults-only beach. It's on the far side of the island from the ship. We've got an adults-only beach, adults-only cabanas, a bar that's adults-only, and the adults-only Serenity Bay 
barbecue. And so I know that's a favorite of ours when we've sailed adults only to be able to head over to Serenity Bay. But Christina, what are your thoughts on Serenity Bay? Yeah, I would recommend either taking the tram or if you're renting bikes or something to to go over there. It is a bit of a walk if you were to walk all the way from the ship to Serenity Bay. The water is also pretty shallow in Serenity Bay. So if you're like we like to snorkel and we like to do the snorkeling at the kind of snorkel lagoon by the family beach first before we go over to Serenity Bay. But we like to make sure we're at Serenity Bay by lunch because that lunch area seems to be a lot less crowded than the family lunch area. And they also have steak, which the family lunch area tends not to have. And I find I like that the lunch area there, I think it's it's like the Castaway Air Bar, the bar and the lunch area are very close and they're very close to the beach. So you can sit on the beach and then decide you want another ice cream. And like in three seconds, you can be like back getting an ice cream and like back on the beach. You know, it's very convenient to go get a, another soda refill or to get an ice cream or something like that from the beach area there. It seems a little bit closer than the family beach to the food area. And I also like that they often have, especially in the afternoons, live music over there at the bar there that you can hear from the beach. You can hear from the hammocks that they have there. On our cruises, at least, it's never been very crowded in the adult-only area. So it's not, I hear people talk about like in the family beach, like racing over there to get the best chairs and like, that is not something that happens on the Seattle-only area beach, I think. Never had trouble getting a lounge chair or a hammock or having, you know, plenty of space to ourselves to enjoy over there. It's, it's very quiet. It's very relaxing. Captain Jack Sparrow came through one time still. So, you know, <laughs> characters sometimes walk over there, too. Yeah, you yeah. definitely still well, get that Disney flavor. I think one of the fun things that we learned was sort of like as you're getting off the ship, you have to... You have to go through the family beaches to get to Serenity Bay. And so one of the things you can do is sort of, you know, walk through the family beach, drop yourself on a chair, hit up Pelican Plunge, do the water slides a few times, and then catch the tram over to Serenity Bay and spend the rest of the day there. Or do your snorkeling like you were saying, Christina. Yeah. 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 And so that's, it's, but Serenity Bay is very quiet, very secluded. It's, it's really nice. And Christina, your point's a good one the barbecue over there is the only so people are always uh, i see on forums like what's the difference between cookies and cookies too absolutely nothing uh the food is exactly the same but at serenity bay they do offer most of the things that they offer at cookies and cookies too or all of the things that they offer there and in addition they have some upscale items steak is one I've, i think we've seen lobster tails. we saw one time we saw lobster tails um, lobster tails over there and so and it's a much more it's much less crowded it's a much smaller experience it and is so, closer to the beach than mm, cookies and cookies too are to the family beaches too yeah yeah. Less of a uh, walk. Yeah. I wanted to go back really quickly just to some of the evening activities that we didn't talk about in the in the adults only areas. The the main stage shows in the Walt Disney Theater on the larger ships. I think it's the same name on the smaller ships. I can't remember. They always they typically have things like jugglers, magicians, percussionists, hypnotists, ventriloquists. They'll do for the regular evening shows, but they also, those same performers will usually do an adults, adults only version in the club bar areas in the late evening for the adults on a couple of nights on the cruise. And then the entertainment staff of the cruise will also do some really fun game show like things like match your mate, feud, majority rules, a, a bunch of stuff. And a lot of that stuff exists on the internet if you're interested in knowing what those are. But do you have any favorites, Christina, that you like to do at, or in the evening activities? 
We enjoy watching Match Your Mate. It's probably the only time we like stay up till 10 or 10.30 whenever they're they're having that. We enjoy watching it. I never want to be on it, but we enjoy watching it. On the Marvel Day at Sea, they had like a USO style show with some of the stage performers, which was kind of cool. Oh, fun. And we really like the Disney entertainment shows in the main theater, you know, like when they have the Disney, the performers sing Disney songs or they have a whole Disney play that they're going through in an abbreviated version but we tend to not spend our time as much on the like variety act there's so many choices of things to do on a disney cruise that like that's just not something that we prioritize yeah there's a million things that's what i always come away from a disney cruise being like oh i really you know i wanted to do x y and z and i didn't get to do everything i wanted to do yeah i will say i think the the hypnotist particularly the adults only version of the hypnotist is a is a really good one so if it's it's not on every cruise itinerary. But if it's on your cruise itinerary, I would definitely recommend. And I agree with your assessment on Match Your Maid as one of the funniest. It's kind of a, a newlywed show. It's not for newlyweds. It's There's usually three couples, but it's of that style of like, how well do you know your spouse? And, they, and it's like a competition show between usually newlywed couple, a couple that's been married for anywhere between, you know, five and 10 years, and then some, a couple who's been married for, you know, 30 or plus years. So it's really funny. And some of those other ones are are fun as well, but that one's probably the, the best one. So that brings us to the last part of our show, which we like to call our rapid fire round. So Christina, the only rule on the rapid fire is there are no wrong answers. So that means these are your personal opinion or your favorites. So who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? Ariel. Nice. What is your favorite Disney movie? The Little Mermaid. (laughs) Well, that lines up really nicely. (laughs) What is your favorite Disney song? Are you going to say part of your world? I am. (laughs) There's a theme here. There's a theme here. You are a big Ariel. I I would have, you know, Under the Sea is another one, but I feel like if you love Ariel, you're going to love part of your world. Okay. Which one is your favorite DCL ship? The Wonder. And what's your favorite DCL port? Castaway. Of course. Come on. There's no better port than Castaway Key. Your favorite rotational dining restaurant. Now, this can be on any of the ships. It doesn't have to be on your favorite ship. I think Triton's is happens to be on my favorite ship and is probably my favorite. So also, I enjoy all of Animator's Palette. Favorite adult dining. So this would be for you either Palo Brunch or Palo Dinner. Probably Palo Dinner. Ooh, that's a co- controversial opinion there. <laughs> just just barely edges out Palo Brunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think Palo Brunch, so we usually go around lunchtime and it's like so much better than the other lunch options. Whereas Palo Dinner, it's really fantastic, but it's not like that, that much better than the rotational dining main rooms. Like there's less of a gap there because like the lunch options on board are just kind of mediocre. Like the, mm-hmm. the dinner is where they really do their best work in the rotational dining rooms. So. Yeah, I definitely would agree. The only exception I would make to that rule is we don't really love the pirate night menu. And so we like to, we really like to go to one of the adults only restaurants on pirate night. Cause we, we're just not real big fans of that pirate menu. Not that we don't like pirate night. I mean, it's fun. It's just, it's just the, the food that night is not as good as I think some of the other menus. Yeah, it's definitely not to my taste. A lot of it has like Caribbean spices, which are like not my, just not my taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Favorite onboard food? Uh, probably the Papadella pasta at Palo. Favorite onboard drink? Now this could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. I think the free soda and the free tea. Nice. Or the included 
beverages. <laughs> yeah, included, right? A little asterisk there. You've already paid for it, but it is included. <laughs> Favorite part of the ship? So the adults only pool. Favorite Disney Cruise Line stage show? Tangled. I, that's the one we haven't seen and I hear it's amazing. Favorite itinerary? Mediterranean. And last but not least, what is your bucket list cruise? Panama Canal. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. We've done the Panama Canal, but not on Disney. We did it on Celebrity more than 10 years ago now. Well, Christina, it's been fabulous having you on the show tonight and reliving some memories on our side about some adults-only cruises that we've taken and hearing about, you know, all the experience you've had with adults-only cruising. So thank you for coming on this evening. It's just been really great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Well, it was really fun talking adult cruising tonight with Christina. Sam and I love to go on adults-only cruises. I'm sure we'll get out there and try some other cruise lines at some point. We have already, just the two of us, but it's uh, we really enjoy going out on Disney Cruise Line as adults-only. Lots of stuff for us to do, lots of fun things, and you know, as Disney fans, we appreciate the whimsy and the brand. So uh, we really enjoy Disney as an adults-only experience, and you know, if you get a chance to give it a try, we think you'll enjoy it too. With that, I wanted to read one of our five-star reviews on the air this week. It comes from T.B. Bolts, who writes great Disney content. As someone who has been to WDW every year since it opened, I am addicted to say the least. While I gave my own Disney podcast a go, life was too busy to continue. I have listened to a lot of Disney content through the years, and there was only one constant in my rotation. Make that two now. DCL Duo is hitting it out of the park with excellent guests and content that is interesting. Too many talk and put out episodes just to do it. Not here. Give it a listen. Hope you will get hooked like I have. Well, that is some high praise. We really appreciate it. Thank you for sticking with us. And, uh, you know, those, those kinds of reviews make us want to keep generating the content. So we're going to keep putting out a show as long as people keep listening. With that, I do want to thank everyone for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also head over and leave us one of these five-star reviews and we'll read it on the air. Just leave a written review over at Apple Podcasts. We are doing a giveaway this uh, this month of two books, a signed copy of the complete set of Cleaning the Kingdom from Lynn Barron, a recent guest. So head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star written review and you uh, anytime before the end of August and you'll be entered to win that set of books. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. And by the time this airs, if not shortly after, we're going to start having some content up on YouTube around DCL 101. So subscribe so that you get uh, notice of that. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.